0: Well, Sunday girls have just come back from holidays. Uh, who's been on holidays already? Who's about to go on holidays? Who's not having any? Okay, we can. I'll have an altar call for you later. Um, our uh, family tradition is to go on holidays in December. We go to a place called Southwest Rocks. It's in between Coffs Harbour and Port Macquarie. It's a beautiful place. Sometimes the weather can be brutal, but when the weather's good, it's, uh, I think, equal to anything on the East Coast. Uh, it's amazing. So I thought we'd start this morning by showing you some holiday photos. All right? Hope you'd be up for that. The, um, uh, we went there about three weeks ago, and uh, when we got there, um, there was this four-metre swell. And it was, just, it was just incredible. You can just kind of... I mean, that's a big wave crashing in there. And uh, the, the bay that we camp at, is called Horseshoe Bay, because if you go up, it looks like a horseshoe. And um, you can stand on these rocks where the waves break and watch the arc of the wave breaking all together for over a kilometre. It's, it's beautiful to watch. Um, a few days later, after the wind and the, uh, the, the swell kind of calmed down a bit, that, that's what it looked like. And um, it, um, it, was, it was beautiful. Uh, clear, uh, rolling waves, blue sky, turquoise water just beautiful in fact it got so still the water that snorkeling became an option and there were these rocks just offshore uh that uh, that our boys went snorkeling around you can just see a black dot on the left of that that rock on the left there and that's that's the head i think of one of our kids um and yes there is a shark beacon that tracks sharks out there and we were looking at it yes Uh, but that's that's one of our kids we were giving good parental care at that point in time, uh, but they saw all sorts of things out there. They came back, they said we saw stingrays, uh, all sorts of fish, we saw a wobbegong shark, sea turtles, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. We, um, there's, a, there's a lighthouse just near uh, southwest rocks uh, at a place called Smoky Cape, Smoky Cape Lighthouse, and you drive a long way up and then I have a heart attack walk, the rest of it getting up to where the lookout is, and it's, it's perched up high, and up, up there you can just see right down to the south and right up uh, to the north. And so one morning we thought, uh, I saw it somewhere, uh, it's like, go and have breakfast, a cooked breakfast at Smoky Cape Lighthouse, right? Um, and daylight saving helps psychologically, right? Because our first light, I think, was um, 511 11 which is like 4.11 in Queensland. It's like you can't get up that early for breakfast in Queensland, but you can in New South Wales, even though it's the same time. Same time. So we went up there and we watched... This is all, these are all taken on my iPhone, right? We, we watched the sun come up over the ocean up there. Um, we, we, we looked at the coastline. It was, it was quite still. It was beautiful. Later on in our holiday, we, um, we went for ice creams, which is what you do, right? Uh, we went for ice creams and uh, it was late in the day, kind of round about sunset and we went and got these ice creams and uh, Ange and mine, were we shared one. It was gone by the time we got to where we sat down but the others in the group had ice creams. We sat there and we ate ice creams and, and watched the sunset and that's, that's the view of the sunset back at Horseshoe Bay where that four metre swell was kind of pumping in. Um, it, was, it was beautiful. There's no filters on that. That's just an iPhone photo. Um, at uh, Southwest Rocks, there's, uh, the council down there is uh, committed to putting signs up telling you what you can't do or you shouldn't do and then kind of half facilitating you doing that. So there's this, uh, this bridge there. Uh, and the bridge is about five metres above the water at, at, um, at high tide. And there's all these signs saying don't jump off the bridge. But they've erected a platform on the bridge to jump off. All right? And uh, so we went to this bridge often, and and that's Joel jumping in off the bridge. Um, And, you know, for someone who's a a self-confessed people watcher, um, I like the bridge, all right? Because there's all these people that go up on the bridge, and they're scared as heck about jumping off the bridge. And they get out, and they stand on the platform there, and they stand there for ages, and you'll watch as there's this fight going on between the fear of jumping off and their desire to jump off, and um, I get that, right, I don't mind heights too much, I just don't like jumping off them, so I've jumped off this bridge, and I said to everyone, I said, as soon as I'm over that railing, I'm gone, right, so you get the camera ready, and uh, there is no photo uh, evidence of me jumping off the bridge, (laughs) I went, but I got over and I went off straight away and no one was ready. It wasn't that many years ago that all of our boys um, were nervous about jumping off this, this bridge because um, of the, the fear side of it and uh, it's high uh, and even higher at low tide. And, um, but you know something? Uh, I think Joel jumped off it 21 times this time around. And do you know? It's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch someone fight fear and, uh, and jump off something like that and, and conquer it. This is my foot. That is a beautiful thong tan. <laughs> All right. Here you go, that's weird. The dude's putting his foot up, but it is a beautiful thong tan. I mean, in Australia, if, if someone comes up to you and, and says, how was your holiday? and You just slide your foot off and it looks like that. It was a good holiday, right? Is anyone with me on that? A good, so there's a whole bunch of you going, no, I'm not with you, and I'm about to leave. <laughs> here's, here's the reality. Um, beauty's all around us. There are beautiful things, beautiful occurrences and beautiful people all around us. I want to say to you this morning, there is no shortage of beautiful things around the place. Um, the only shortage is people sewing down enough to notice it. You know, that uh, old line, stop and smell the roses." Well, what is that? Well, that's ultimately saying stop down and see the beautiful things and enjoy them. And I think it's it's a helpful encouragement at some level at Christmas time, right? Because it's just been rush, 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 and everyone's, everyone wants everything done by the time Christmas kind of comes. And it's like, did you notice all the beauty along the way? Um, we get busy and things become a bit of a blur, but... I mean, just think about Christmas time. Christmas is about making things beautiful. I'm walking through the bush yesterday afternoon looking for some nice leaves to decorate our place for, breakfast, for uh, Christmas, Christmas Day today. You go down the shops, and I did do this. I'm going to show you some photos. You go down the shops, and the shops, they've got trees up. They've got decorations up. This is Grand Central on Thursday. These beautiful trees. You can see the baubles up the top in the top level, all right, here's another shot, bit I love about this one, didn't even mean it, but is this guy down in the front, this is one of my things, right, that when you've got an older guy who's gone shopping with his wife and he doesn't really, he's not really into it, he looks like an emu, all right, you just see it all over the place and that's got him, his wife's behind him. There's, um, there's beautiful things around, you know, I showed you those holiday pictures and you might have found yourself thinking, look, there are a whole bunch of things that were beautiful that you showed us, Peter. You got to the bridge thing and your foot, man, like, what is that? Um, and I want to just remind you that we don't actually just use the word beautiful to talk about something that looks good, something that's aesthetically pleasing. We use the word beautiful also to talk about something that's of a high standard, that's excellent. And uh, I th- it was an excellent thong tan. <laughs> All right. I uh, jest a little um, but think about the ways that you use the word beautiful it's not just something looking good it's like that that is excellent I want to take one more step here and it's to this one there's a very close connection between beauty and glory now some of, this may come as a surprise to some of you uh, and part of the reason why I think if you've been around the church long enough everyone uh, at some point in time, in mean, the church, either hears or uses the term "glory" and and talks about it. But um, often in in the church, things are less clear than what we think they are, and we use terms we're not really entirely sure what they are. And sometimes the um, the word "glory" is a bit like that. and In fact, a lot of times I think it is. It's kind of like if you had to kind of put your hands on it, it's kind of a bit of a mist, and you kind of grasp at it, and it's like I'm not really sure what it is. You know, we talk about the glory of God, but uh, we aren't always sure what we mean. Um, and while it is something which is used often to describe God, it actually isn't something that's limited to God. It's a it's a word that gets used um, to describe other things as well. And you can actually see that in Scripture. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, there's these instructions given about how the priests ought to have been clothed, the, the kind of clothing they would wear. And there's this, this beautiful statement there, in Exodus 28 verse 2, And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty. You see the connection there? For glory and for beauty. You know, the, the terms glory and beauty, they're quite synonymous. And the reason why this is the case, I think, is because glory is beauty on display. So when you're talking about the glory of God, it's not this necessarily this abstract thing. It's like... God is beautiful, both, I think he's aesthetically beautiful, but he's also excellent. (laughs) And and when you see his excellence on display, that's his glory. And when you look around in creation, what you're seeing is God's glory. You're seeing his beauty on display. And one thing that's really important to realize is um, there is a lot of beauty in our world that has no functional purpose. Have you noticed that? I mean, sunsets could be grayscale, couldn't they? Like king parrots, I think the girls would be able to work out who the boys are without them being bright orange, all right? It's stunning. You know, while there can be a functional purpose to beauty sometimes, there's a, there's a whole heap of beauty in our world around us that doesn't have a functional purpose other than to be glorious, It just is, and and it's a reflection of who God is, that God is excellent, that he is glorious, that he is beautiful. So I want to consider for the remaining time we have together the beauty of Jesus in the context of Christmas. I want to go back to a text that uh, was read earlier in the service and just work through some of these uh, phrases that describe this baby in the manger, and it's from Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7. And start with the bold section, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Stop for a moment. (laughs) If you were God and you'd created the whole world and everyone in it, and those people in it decided to turn against you and everything in your perfect world was broken and messed up and ugly because of it, how would you deal with it? Probably not the way God would. He sends a child. You notice the phrasing here, the child is born, the son is given. That's because the son is Jesus who pre-existed, coming in the flesh. He's always existed. He's always been. But the child is born. He was born a child. He took on human flesh. God didn't come at us with all guns blazing. You get that? He just didn't. He could have, but he didn't. He sends a child. It's an inside job. He infiltrated from the inside. Now, listen, you might be used to this story, but it's incredible. This is incredible. In this world, people shoot police, they shoot each other, they fight, they steal from one another. They assault one another in all kinds of ways. They have arguments and don't resolve them. They're selfish, disobedient to their parents and heartless and so on. And what does God do to deal with this? He sends a child. Of course, right? One commentator puts it this way. How will God deliver from arrogance, war, oppression and coercion? by being more arrogant, more warlike, more oppressive and more coercive? No, that's not what he does. He sends a child. And you can see this, as I said earlier in the service, that there's a real focus by Isaiah speaking about this child who's who's going to lead, who's going to come. The child is going to get it done. Now, the child does grow up, but at the beginning, the child is a newborn being fed by his mother, He could probably die if someone stepped on him. Vulnerable, transparent, humble. And this is the one that will turn back the tide of death. It's like a movie. I wonder uh, whether you can think of one. I actually couldn't think of one, but it's like a plot line. I feel like I've seen like 30 times where there's this mess in a movie and no one knows what to do. And they've got all the experts in uh, and, and no one can do anything about it and then you you kind of you see this janitor off to the side and he struggles even to put a sentence together and you're sitting there and you're going somehow that guy is going to save this whole situation. It's like the most unlikely person gets the job done and in a sense with Jesus I I don't want to suggest jesus can't string a sentence together but as a baby he couldn't right as a baby he couldn't he shows up in bethlehem he's the most unlikely hero and you know what it's just beautiful isn't it it's just beautiful let's move on he will be called wonderful counselor well Boy, do we need a good counsellor around the place. Amen? I want to take a look at some well-documented stats on mental health from Beyond Blue, one of the most prominent Australian mental health organisations going around. You are ready? One in seven Australians will experience depression in their lifetime. One quarter of Australians will experience an anxiety condition in their lifetime. One in 16 Australians is currently experiencing depression. One in seven Australians is currently experiencing an anxiety condition and one in six Australians is currently experiencing depression or anxiety or both. I don't know, but do the maths in a crowd this size. It isn't particularly pleasant reading. This doesn't even include all of the non-diagnosed counsel that's needed along the way either. You know, we, we all get stuck in tricky situations and 2022 has been no different to any other year. Uh, we face things we don't know how to handle, and we get in tough spots and we don't know how to proceed. Um, there's lots of things in life that aren't clear, and part of the reason they're not clear is because it's a messy world, and part is because we're not meant to do things on our own. We're not meant to know how to get things done on our own. What we need is a wonderful counsellor. That's what we need. But I want you to be careful. Um, Modern-day counsellors, as you think of them right now, um, they're, they're great. great. But Jesus is not that kind of wonderful counsellor. Um, he's cut from a different cloth. One of the um, gurus it's had over the last hundred years, it's had one of the most prominent impacts on counselling and um, psychology is Carl Rogers. Um, uh, out of Carl Rogers' work came person-centred therapy and the basic idea behind this is that people have answers to their own problems and the therapist has just got to help them to find their own answers to their problems. Um, And and in some ways, I think it's a bit of a weird one. In one sense, it's like you go to someone, they help you solve your own problems, and then they bill bill you for it. (laughs) But this is not the kind of counsellor that Jesus is. I want you to hear me on this. Uh, Jesus is a counsellor who has an opinion. He has an opinion, and his opinion is always true and right. It's a good one. He's a counsellor that urges... And he speaks to you and urges you with wise and valuable advice. He urges you toward particular directions and thoughts. Uh, We don't know our way out of the mess. Sometimes we can see things, but our very design tells us that we need God to actually help us, help us to see where we need to go and what we need to do. When you look at the needs of humanity and the person of Jesus as a wonderful counsellor, you just sit back and go, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Here's the next phrase in uh, Isaiah 9, mighty God. I'm going to lay this down really simply. Um, if you want something to be done about the wrong things in the world, if you want to see wars cease, if you want to see people freed and restored, then you need at least two things. You need someone who wants to do something about it And you need someone who's powerful enough to do something about it. They need to be able to help you. There's no question that Jesus wants to help you. He's made this clear. But if Jesus is going to be able to help in this world, he's going to need to be stronger than the strongest opponent. Just think about what that is. He needs to be stronger than tanks. Stronger than governments. Stronger than human pride. Stronger than earthquakes and natural disasters. Stronger than the physical world. (laughs) Another commentator, uh, actually the same one, uh, Oswald, um, as I quoted before, says this, this king will have God's true might about him, talking about Isaiah 9, power so great that it can absorb all the evil which can be hurled at it until none is left to hurl. That's a powerful, powerful person. He is... The mighty God. Do you know how you know who's the mighty God? He came as a baby. Think about that. Who would do that? Only an incredibly powerful, strong, mighty person. Only someone who had all the ammo and all the weaponry and all the power would do such a thing. It's incredible and it's beautiful. Everlasting Father. Now this one's a bit of a free hit. I wanna give you some well-known, pretty well-circulated stats if you've uh, been familiar with the Fatherhood Foundation in Australia comes from there it's now called dads for kids every now and then you'll see them running ads on TV here's what they say about fatherlessness fatherlessness increases poverty statistically you can get on uh, their website and find the uh, research on that fatherlessness slows educational performance fatherlessness increases crime fatherlessness increases drug abuse fatherlessness increases physical and mental health problems. Some more could be said um, about absent fathers. There's lots of good fathers out there. Even the good fathers are a reflection of the great father, uh, Jesus, God himself. Um, what you see here is that good, engaged fathers are part of how people flourish. That's how they do well. It's how kids do well. Uh, and as I said, there's lots of good dads out there. But one thing you need to know about God's fatherhood is that he's ongoingly sacrificial. You see, the essence, the definition of what love is, is that you give a piece of yourself to someone else. And God did this in spades when he died on the cross in the person of Jesus. He gave himself for you. And you know, every, um, every person who's come to Jesus and, and has known his self-sacrificial love knows that it doesn't end there that he keeps giving himself to us over and over and over. That's that's what love is. You know, when a father spends his time with a child, it's time that they're not getting to spend on something they want to spend their time on. There's a piece of them that they're actually giving to their child. That's, That's the nature of what love is. You know, there's a lot of good dads. There's a lot of absent dads. There's a lot of disconnected dads. And over all of this, we see from Isaiah in chapter 9 that he is the everlasting father. And I don't know how many times in my um, time teaching, I, uh, I said to kids who didn't really have much contact with their dads, I quoted the psalm, uh, even when my mother and father forsake me, God will take care of me. It, this is the backup, folks. And he's not going to be here for 10 minutes. <laughs> He's the everlasting Father. When you look at the patchiness of fatherhood on the planet, the importance of it, and you look at God as everlasting Father, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's one heck of a backstop. Prince of Peace. Of the Greatness. As he, of his government and peace, there will be no end. When you think about governance and exercising authority, what is one of the objectives of it? I think one of the objectives is to make things run well through good leadership and organisation and to bring about peace through smooth operations, peace and smooth operation to make things run well for everyone's sake. You know, when governments are about themselves, they become problematic. When they're about power, they hurt people. When they're unskilled and they're unwise, mess and chaos is a result. And if you look around our world, it's a mixed bag, right? There's there's some places that are doing okay and some places aren't. And all of us would have some kind of opinion on what our government is doing, whether you think that's a good thing or not, and where the mess and chaos is and where the order is uh, that's helping things to flourish, um, you see all sorts of consequences of the use or misuse of power. But one of the things about good leaders is good leaders bring peace in chaotic times. That's what a good leader does. There's the security that they bring. I uh, started out my working life um, after uni went to uni to become a teacher, became a teacher. And there was a particular school I was at and the leader, the principal, he was a really good leader. And uh, I was a new high school teacher, only been in the gig for uh, a couple of years, two or three years. And um, I don't know if it, it, is anyone with me, like when you're working with teens, it could, could break out at any moment, right? That's, that's kind of the feel, what it was like for me, it's like... I think I've, I've just got this by the, the width of a hair, all right? In terms of just keeping a lid on what's going on here. And um, we used to, you know, herd all the kids in for um, assembly. And um, this principal would walk in. And, and he was the classic old school principal that would walk around and patrol around the school every now and then and wait beside anyone who was outside a classroom where he went past. You know, and so we'd, we'd herd these kids into the assembly and, and, um, and he'd walk in and and I used to I think my blood pressure dropped when he came in, came in because it's like, yeah, I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. Um, and think about where you think peace is needed in our world um, and when, when I'm saying peace, I'm not just saying the absence of conflict. Peace here, it, it, in Hebrew, this is originally written in, the word here is shalom. And that's more than just the absence of conflict. It's actually the, the presence of everything operating properly, running properly. And I want to say to you this morning that um, uh, Jesus is not one that you need to be skeptical about when it comes to his authority. He, uh, he sets things straight and he makes them run properly. And I'll tell you something, when I read this section, um, my heart rate drops and my blood pressure drops a little bit. Like there's actually a physical response to it, right? Because look at that bit at the end there, and, and, and peace there will be no end. Can you imagine that? What'd that even look like? What would it be like to be in a place where there is no end to peace? Well, it comes from this leader, Jesus, and his government. It's going to be an expansive, all pervading peace. That's coming. So in a messy, broken, anxiety-inspiring, sometimes dangerous world, a child who brings a rule which will bring peace with no end, That's beautiful, isn't it? That's exactly right. A child who is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. That's the beauty of Christmas. Everything that's beautiful is beautiful because he is. Let's pray. And we'll sing. God, we just love beautiful things things that look beautiful and things that are excellent. And we thank you that you're behind it all and that your plan is to bring peace, to bring a rule where there is an expansive, all-pervading peace, where we and the people around us work properly, where creation works properly, where everything is beautiful. God, would you help us um, at this Christmas season to notice you, to see Your glory. And God, for those who get to have some time off, have a break, pray for them that they would slow down and see the beautiful things all around them. The reflections of your glory. Amen.